the Province Sports Podcast. Well, it's Wake Tell Podcast. Patrick Johnson here. Ed Willis, you're back. Yes, you're ta- I, well, you're actually, tanned. Never, I never, yeah, yeah, Kamloops. I was at the sun and fun capital of the interior, Kamloops, for 10 Tournament days. Tournament capital so of Canada or something. Yeah, huh? You know what? It, it, it's lovely there. It's perfect. Maybe 10 days is a little too much lovely. Uh, for for one man to take, but but for the Lions' needs, it's it, it's it's a great setup. Anyway, we're not here to talk about the Lions. We're here to talk no. about the Canucks. There's a draft you may have heard of. We've heard been talking about, that. about this yeah. endlessly. Just for my own prep, should I watch the Kevin Costner movie Draft Day? I think everybody should. It, it's one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies. Like it, it, it is so ludicrous because the whole plot revolves around the Browns. This idea that the Cleveland <laughs> Kevin Costner is under pressure. Now, stop us if this sounds familiar, Canucks fans. Kevin Costner, the general manager of the Browns, is under pressure from the owner to make a big splash on draft day. So the whole plot line revolves around Kevin sending three first-round draft picks for this quarterback he doesn't want to take. And in the space of a couple of hours, getting those three draft picks back, plus, plus. So it's like every kind of... (laughs) <laughs> like nerd fans wet dream come to life that their general manager can pull off a deal like this on draft day which of course is the lead into your Vancouver Canucks and this draft do you think Jim Benning's going to be taken to like, the amusement park and uh, can, yeah, make a them? big splash yeah. which is this great scene between Frank Langella who plays the owner <laughs> and, and and Costner he takes him to this is what I want you to do this this and he, he shows him I think it's a plume or something this ride is popular because it makes a big yeah. splash and yeah. that's what i want out yeah. of you i want you to make a big splash <laughs> it, again it's that x factor with this ownership group yeah. you just never know i go back and forth but i don't think there's anything wrong with the status quo with the canucks take the pick it's mm-hmm. supposed to be a really good draft yeah. you're gonna get an impact player uh at 10 and two years down the line it might look to be the really prudent thing but if they start farting around moving up moving down trying to force something that I don't think is necessarily going to help them in the long run. They could get themselves into trouble. To me, and we've talked a bit about this, Kuzma and I have been on the last couple of weeks, and just sort of the, the the quality of a player is there. Like yeah. the, you're going to get, you're not obviously getting a super stud, probably, mm-hmm. likely. I mean, mm-hmm. you could, maybe you got lucky, right? But there's some really interesting players there. There's a player, you know, there's there are, there's a defenseman like Soderstrom we've talked a lot about. There's forwards like Matt Boldy that uh, yeah. you know are interesting. Um, you know, of course, you know, Zagres is another name I think that, you know, makes sense there. Peyton Krebs, you know, obviously mm-hmm. suffered an injury on the weekend, but, or last week, I guess, but, uh, is another name that, you know, I think people like in that spot. I'm not necessarily sure if the Canucks do, cause I'm not sure he's the kind of player they're necessarily looking for. Um, there's the Russian kid. The Russian kid. Do you remember his name? I no. don't. I, Pod- I'm waiting for I, you. I looked it up. It's Pod Colson. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna write about this. I don't know if it's a whole column so much as it's amusing. But I got I got a, a great story from the Canucks archives, uh, the Bo Horvat draft. So they make the deal to to get the ninth pick, and they've got they've got Valerie Nikushkin rated ahead of Bo right. Horvat. And one of the more prescient moments of the Gillis administration, he goes, you know, if we draft Nikushkin, he's going to probably come here for a year or two, and he's going to hold the KHL over his head, and yeah. it's going to go back, and it's going to turn yeah. into a shit storm. We're taking Bo Horvat. Looks like a pretty good yeah. pick right now. Now, this kid, it, 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 it's just every Russian player, it, it, he kind of carries that stigma now. Yeah. Are they going to hold the KHL? And the, the scouts I've talked to, the personnel guys I've talked to said he's in that group. 
around 10. He doesn't really stand out unless, you know, you've got a scout or some scouts who are crazy about him. But he kind of fits into that group. So do you take him, knowing you're going to have to probably wait at least two years? Well, if you take a junior kid, you could probably yeah. waiting two, two, two years anyway. So that's one kind of one of the variables. You know, and the other thing is, and I, th- I think your point is well taken, everybody I've talked to says, Three through 12, they're almost interchangeable. So Dylan Cousins can go third overall. Yeah. He can go 12th overall. Cole Caulfield, same thing. Zegris, the same thing. So the Canucks are in kind of, I think they're in a pretty good position where somebody might fall to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no idea what their board looks like, uh, other than Benning said he wants size. I look at their needs. They need a scoring winger, and that's Matthew Boldy, but I, I, I don't know. We can come I, back to this, I don't know. the size question in a bit. Yeah. I mean... You know, the names that we've seen floated out there, I think, are the ones that are, are the most likely given that. I mean, I think Turcotte, Byram, go 3-4 in some one, yeah. one order or the yeah. other. But Interesting. I talked to two scouts who had Zegras rated ahead of, really? ahead of Turcotte. Wow. Just love them. Yeah. Just love them. So, again, so right. if he falls to where the Canucks are, and, that, and that's a plausible scenario, right. too. Right. Then you've got – I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no. Yeah. I, I, well, you well, go, go for it. Well, no, okay, no, but then the two Western League kids, you've got two six yeah. foot four skilled centermen. Right. As somebody said, you know, where do you get that? Where do you get that big centerman, that play driving centerman? Well, you have to draft him and you have to get him at the top of the draft. So lots of plausible scenarios there for the Canucks. It's so funny to see how the sort of idea of size has evolved over the years. Cause it used to be, well, just get, get Libor Polasek and you'll be great. You yeah. know, he's big, <laughs> but it's, it's the ability to play really that still now comes first, which is the right thing. And then if you can find a guy that's got Ed Willis size and occupies space, and mm-hmm. it's difficult to get into the front of the net and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's what you're looking for. And so that's what makes those kids so interesting because it's not just that they're big, it's that they can play. And yeah. it's that tantalizing yes. thing yeah. you can see. Speaking of big guys that can play, just as a side note, and I was thinking about this, making a splash, I was trying to think about why, why would Jim Benning all of a sudden start talking about Nikita Triamkin, like he did last week. Mm. Like, wh- where did this come from? And I was sitting there and thinking about it, and I got myself talking to our friend Ryan Beach, and Ryan beat me to it. He'd already thought about it, so he wrote about it, and I said, well, if, you know, there's no point doubling that up, but maybe Nikita Triamkin is a trade chip. Do you think he's tantalizing enough for other teams? I can't decide anymore. He's still a year away. Yeah, I, well, a trade chip in terms of what, to sweeten a package, to get a third rounder I back? I don't know, I yeah. can't see anything yeah. more than that for those, a yeah. lot of the reasons we, we, we just outlined. This is, you know, he's kind of, he kind of drifts in and out of my consciousness too. <laughs> and the only reason I, I, I bring it up is when he left, so his agent, and I know if he's still his agent, but it was Mark Gandler, and I've got a history with him because Mark Gandler represented a lot of the first generation right. of, of Russian players to come over. And when you're working in Winnipeg, you got familiar with those guys a lot in the early 90s so had a pretty developed a decent relationship with gambler and i talked to him when triamkin announced he was going back and i said you know is this irrevocable is he there and he said you know i can see a scenario where he comes back in a couple of years right so just putting that out it's, there it's, it's todd a, diamond now that's his agent but okay you know, but gambler no sure, was, sure, was, Gam- was jamnov a gambler guy Yes, he, well, that's a long story. We don't have <laughs> enough time for it. Whole other podcast. Whole other Actually, podcast. he wasn't. He was, he was a, he was a Ron Salser guy, but there, there was a lawsuit and it, it was, I still maintain the great hockey book that's yet to be written 
is on those first generation of Russian players uh-huh, and totally. their agents oh. and all the side deals that were made because it was it was the Wild West there for a while. I just know some of the stories that took place in and around Winnipeg. Jim Jameson's story. I can story. imagine. Jim Jameson's story about, was it McElhargy and Troy Gamble who went on some sort of uh, – Goodwill tour over to yeah. over to Russia, yeah. sort of like '89. It was part of the when kind of trying to get crew trying to get, Larry on. Yeah, us. it was yeah. part of all that. It was just absolutely fascinating. I think that that actually would be part of the story. I mean, you get I'm sure Gamble would have lots to say about. Well, that. and I remember talking to the late great Pat Quinn a couple of times about the negotiations right. with. And again, it was you know money here, money there, money here, money there to. To pry Larry Onoff loose, and that's why Larry Onoff left Vancouver. Yeah. He didn't want any more money going to the Russian Federation, which is, you know, again, one of the sort of you know, a franchise where, where there are so many great what ifs. That's another one. What if Igor stays yeah. here? I mean, it's does, it, does Pavel stay here yeah. because he's, you know, there's so there's many so things. Many. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, it's funny you bring that up because actually, not long ago, I was talking to our another friend of ours, Wyatt Arndt, the stanchion, yeah, and he just had lunch with Tony. Tony Gallagher and mm-hmm. Tony somehow brought up, you know, go back and find out about all that because Tony was hot on the the old arbitration case that the Canucks just got yep. absolutely yep. wiped all over the floor with and had to pay. It was like one point nine to like Krutov's camp. Mm-hmm. They had to pay one point nine million. Money well spent. Yeah, uh, you know, they just fought and fought. It was him and well, I'm sure Brian Burke would have some things to say about that uh, now still, but we'll see. Uh, that that's a tease, by the way. Great story coming yeah. up later this week from Ben Kuzma featuring Brian Burke talking about... You know, they, about, could, they could do that draft day movie about the yes. Brian Burke <laughs> deal, Making but it was like splash. real life because he yeah. actually pulled the crazy deal off. Would he be upset if we called it, if we, you know, we suggested that the, you know, making a splash, the Brian Burke story, would that be... Yeah, sure, yeah, why not? that work? I, yeah, yeah, as long I mean, as you his name right. Yeah. yeah. Talk, I mean, but, it, you know, we come back to the idea of making a splash. I mean, yeah. Burke made the ultimate splash. It, you couldn't, I don't think you could replicate those circumstances again. It really was a perfect storm. And the thing that blows my mind every time I think about that deal is what else was available. in the, That's one of the worst first rounds. Oh, it's terrible. In the last 30 years and probably in the top 10 in, yeah. in draft history because there was a lot of years in the 70s that were just awful too. But for them to get these like two franchise icons Neither. and the deal and what, what they gave up, they gave up Brian McCabe, Brian good McCabe defenseman, and a but, couple of second yeah. rounders and something else. Yeah, that was it. But, you know, Chicago wanted Brian McCabe. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it is, and, and, you know, and at the time it was like a bold, audacious move, but, but every year since it's just like the myth seems to have grown and grown and grown. And the more you think about it, you know, what he pulled off that day really was one of the more extraordinary moments in franchise history. How much in the end, how much pressure, and you've, you've paid attention to this team for a long time to come back to the original question, making a splash next week, how much pressure is there on Jim Benning to make a splash on that stage, you know, to, to sort of move, move, whether that means making a big trade, trading for a guy yeah, that we've yeah. been talking about, you know, trying to figure out how to find a way. You know, Jim has laid out his list of priorities for the summer. He wants to find a top four defense, but he wants to find a top six winger, at least one of those guys you think is going to have to come be a trade. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the trade happens on draft day. I mean, there's guys around. There's players around. There's, I think, a lot of movement happening this summer. You hear what's happening in Toronto, you know, Marner, the Marner situation, yeah, which has yeah. clearly gone sideways. Here, the Edler situation, which we can talk on, touch on in a moment. I mean, huh? there's so much potential for movement, and yet we always talk about this and nothing ever seems to happen. I, I would just answer that this way. There's just so much there, there. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, and, and when you factor in all the variables, 
That's the ownership. It's where the Canucks are now. It's their need to make a bold move, to make a statement about the future of the franchise, and also where they are in their evolution. I mean, you could make the case easily that, you know, by adding that top six forward, and if they get, you know, an an impact-type defenseman, I still think it's a reach for them to to think they're going to get a top four guy. I wrote a bit about like what Jeff Skinner would have represented right. to the, to them. So you know, again, you put you add a thirty goal score to that lineup, and now all of a sudden you've got so you've got a line like with Horvat, Pearson, and thirty goal yeah. score guy, and then yeah. you've got Pedersen and Besser and whoever, and that kind of changes the whole look and dynamic of the team uh, for me too. And that also presupposes that Alex Edler comes back and you know continues to play. At the level he has for the last two half seasons, yeah. you could ever if they ever got to a point where they could get like sixty five games yeah. out of B plus to A minus Alex Adler, they they'd really have something. But that there's another variable. What what what's, what's going on there? They don't seem to be in a hurry to sign him, and there's no pressure point yeah. yet. But you know, I look at now where we're at now. Right, there's a week to go until the draft. There's going to be potentially some you know reshuffling of the deck chairs. If you're Edler, I mean, you set out your case. You, I want a no-movement clause, right? Mm-hmm. I think that seems pretty clear. Otherwise, the deal would have been done by now. The Canucks want to bring him back, but they said, we're not going to do that. We can't screw ourselves over at the expansion draft. Yeah. So if you're Edler and you're his agent, you're sitting back. I mean, to me, at this point, you go out and see what's on the market. The draft finishes, and then all of a sudden, you're into that pre-chat week where you're allowed to talk to players. Mm-hmm. And, and so I sit back and I go, well, why wouldn't he wait for a week now just to see? His agent will say, let's see what's out there. We don't have to do anything. And to me, that's the biggest factor. And so at what point there, you know, to me, that's the other thing is that if you sit back, you go, okay, we can wait till then. We still have another week to sell Alex on that. We can also go talk to guys like Jake Gardner. We know that they have an interest in Tyler Myers, you know, guys like that. Mm-hmm. And then you can come back and say, okay, Alex, here's what we want. But at the same time, like I said, there's that weird variable of wanting to make a splash at home. And yeah. to me, the sort of that question Hangs out there. There's guys available. I think of a guy like Colin Miller, who's a, he's a right shot defenseman, mm-hmm. but you know, a guy that everybody's going to want. You know that there's, he's a hot commodity. Everybody seems to be talking about him. He's a player that doesn't necessarily fit in Vegas anymore, and Vegas needs to make a move because they're they're hamstrung by the cap. So, yeah. you know, again, like I said, those variables are there. But you know, really, if you're Edler, do you see it any differently from what I've just laid out? This is the vexing thing for Canucks fan is there was a presumption that this was going to be a relatively stress free right. deal. Simply because he's always made the case and he's taken less over the years and there is that Swedish nesting instinct, which invariably seems to come into play in these situations. So the fact that he hasn't yet and it's invited all these other, uh, you know, questions into it. Yeah, I, I think that would be the prudent thing to do if I was in his camp. Yes, he wants to stay here, but I don't think it's at any cost. And he probably thinks, you know, I put in the service here. That's, you know, the least I can do is is get that no movement clause. I, I just, I mean, so, but like backtracking a bit. So, it's like, I'm sorry, is is Colin Miller the big splash? Well, I don't know if he's a big I, he's splash. A name. He's a name. He's a name. He, he but, does but things he they just, don't do. But yeah, no, you're right. Like he's not. Yeah, and, I mean, and that's what so many of them. And I, you know, I would, I would even is Tyler. My, I, I, for me, this is just my personal mm-hmm. opinion. I would rather have Alex Adler than Ty, Tyler. Oh, Myers. totally. Um, 
even you know with the injuries and, and all the other things. And so well, one so plays that, better defense than the other. I yeah. Mean, so a, so know. that's you know so so that's where we are with that. But uh, again, like so many balls in the air, right? Yeah. So 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 many things, and it'll it'll be a fascinating week here. Uh, you know, in, in the run up to the draft, and we haven't even started. We haven't even mentioned Jason Zucker's name too, which is uh, you know another one. So. He's yeah. a guy, I mean, to me, I think I've said this, you know, I think we talked to touched on this last week, but to me, he's a guy that fits well because he's a playmaker. Yeah, he's a playmaking right. winger. That's you right. Know, and they don't really have a guy like that. Yeah. You can put him, say, with Bo and with, with Pearson, two guys who essentially are shooters. Yeah. You know, he's the guy that fits on that line. Um, you know, and that's, as has been clear for, you know, essentially two months now since we had the last day mm-hmm. with, with the Canucks, you know, it's clear that Travis Green would like to get a, you know, a, a Zach Hyman type player to play with Besser and Pedersen. I, I don't know who that is, but he'd like that guy anyway. Yeah, well, you know, that, that's uh, Zucker to me is a, a completely different style of player, but he's a down market version of Jeff Skinner. Jeff yeah. Skinner's a thirty goal scorer. Zucker's a twenty to yeah. twenty five goal scorer, yeah. and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. He upgrades their top six. He gives them a known quantity there. Now all of a sudden you're not you're not sitting there hoping that Josh Lebo can evolve into that guy, or you're not hoping that you know Tanner right. Pearson's little was twenty seven game run. Yeah. Uh, he can replicate that over 80 games. Now, you've got some flexibility there. Right. And the potential for another move down the road. So, uh, if we can just get back to the draft for yeah. a minute. It, yeah. it was funny because, and it was funny that Benning mentioned, uh, size because to me, like the most intriguing character in and around where the Canucks are picking is Cole Caulfield. Yeah. Who, the complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Everything he's not, but the people I talk to, and, and I think the decision is going to be made for him because I don't think he's going to be there right. when the Canucks pick at 10. But he's, for people who don't know him, he's five, seven and a half, and he scored 72 goals and shattered all the records yeah. at the U18s. And I had one scout told him, you know, I said, well, can, could you compare him to Boldy? And he goes, yeah, Boldy, good player. He can, plays well with good players, but there's no wow factor there. There's a wow factor with Cole Caulfield. And that's the kind of guy so, that goes top five, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly it. So, I mean, if he's sitting there when it's the Canucks turn to pick, because it doesn't take a great deal of imagination to see other teams passing on him because they'll be scared of the size. Right. But if he's sitting there and if you've got a chance to add, and, and by all accounts, he is the purest of pure goal scorers. If you got a chance to add 40 goals to your lineup, and I think Alex DeBrinkett has kind of removed a lot of the stigma yeah, of those yeah, kind of players, yeah, too. Yeah. So, All right. What do you, uh, what, what's on the play? I mean, you got, we got 10 days. This is Tuesday. So we got what, yeah. 10 days thereabouts until the draft. We know that Kuzma's got his, uh, five guys at number 10 series going next week. I've mentioned he's got this great story with Burke. There's stuff coming from me as well, looking at sort of the draft itself, some, some ideas that could happen around it, some trades that might be worth considering. Uh, what, what, what's coming from your end? I, I'm focusing on that U.S. developmental team just because it, it's going to be such, such a good story. Yeah. It's a, so, so, and there's a couple of angles. One right. is how it's going to impact this draft, but also it's the model they provide. And is this something that Canada needs to mm. take a look at? And it's an interesting question. I think it's just more philosophical at this point. I think the practicality is it would never fly in Canada. Right. 
for a variety of reasons. But it's still a really interesting model and in what they've done here. And I talked to the uh, coach, John Warblowski, for about half an hour uh, yesterday, and he's a live wire. And he's, there's actually, he, he attended a Vancouver Canucks camp in 2003. And I went, funny, I covered that camp. <laughs> I don't remember you. And he said, oh, they didn't retire my number. He did get into a scrap with Ryan Kessler, though. And, <laughs> <laughs> so, no, he was so, here as a player. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, sorry. He, oh, no, he totally oh, wow. was. He totally was. He played in the East Coast League, okay. and, and that was it. But interestingly enough, he was also on the very first U.S. U.S. National Development Team in 97 with, ta-da, Brett Henning, who is now the Canucks Director of Pro Scouting. So, uh, yeah, like uh, a couple of interesting ways to entry entry and exit points to that story. That actually reminds me, I wrote a bit about it last week, the question of why they aren't doing any prospect games next year. Yeah. I did a little poking around. It's actually an interesting case. They're trying something different, which, as I've said, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's sort of sitting back and looking at Okay, what do we actually get out of playing these games? Now, of course, you know, having the Young Stars tournament, was, especially at the time they started it, was such a great mm-hmm. sort of extra bonus for fans. It was a way to see essentially a Canucks-ish team mm-hmm. that many fans couldn't get to see. Um, perhaps there's some acknowledgement a little bit that that era is past. There was obviously the element of, well, how many guys would we actually be able to put in the lineup that we actually want to see in the lineup? And I think there was also a bit of a factor, you know, a sort of an injuries factor. There was some concern that maybe they've been pushing these kids too hard the last few years with all the oh, extra time. Yeah, okay. And, and so that was like, okay, yeah. And I think they basically sat back and said, like, let's see how this goes. So there was, I mean, I, I had pondered perhaps there's a financial factor. I mean, there's always a financial factor. Of course there is, yep. Um, but from a hockey playing standpoint, from the hockey ops side of things, it was very much about, let's try something different. And you know what? I don't think it gets said often enough because we do have a lot of critiques of the Canucks, how they've mm-hmm. been doing things. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with trying to be different and trying something new. So so kudos to them from that standpoint, for, from my perspective, saying, you know what? Maybe this isn't just because everyone else is doing it. And the Florida Panthers are the only other team that are doing it. And I asked a few questions around there, and I got similar answers, which is that, what's why are we actually doing yep. this? So, you know, maybe there's a shift away. I know that there's a lot of organizations, on the other hand, that are out there that do see value in it. And, you know, are not necessarily, they're skeptical of what the Canucks are Yeah, I, I, I guess my only question would be, it, it sounds to me like it starts here, this is a cost-saving measure, now how do we justify yeah. it? Yeah, no, and that, that was and my skepticism. You know, that was where my and, skepticism came And that's came fine. From. Like, I, I've yeah. attended, I, I'm, you were there I'm going to say right? half a day, and the, the one last yeah. year was fabulous. It yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah. You know, to see to see Pedersen and and, yeah. and the, the late great Jonathan Dolan together. Yes, yes. But then to see you know to see you Levy and you know before yep. he got hurt and to yeah. see Mikey DiPietro and 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 so many of these guys, mm-hmm. it really it really was. Uh, yeah, I it mean, was for our clarity, we'll still have that access. We just want to yep. necessarily get to see them in games. I think we're going to see more of those kids in training camp games this year or preseason games, I should say. Anyway. That was just a little thing I throw I throw in there. All right, folks. Uh, as ever, you can uh, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we're on Stitcher, we're on TuneIn. I found out that we're on Spotify. Yay! My buddy Mike said he enjoyed last week's podcast and heard it on Spotify, so that's exciting news. Anyway, whatever you listen to us, if you have a chance to rate and review us, please do so. It makes us more popular with everyone else. Ed, see Great. you later. Yay! Then we will talk next week yeah. in the run up to the draft. I'm Beautiful. sure. Lots of stuff. See you later, folks.